This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 18th of July 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anyone working with or investigating big data. My name is Dave, and here's my co-host, Jan. Hi, Dave. How's the summer treating you? This summer is treating me very well. The weather is lovely, there's sunshine, there's, there's breeze, there's all the sorts of things that the summer brings. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I just had an ice cream, actually. <laughs> Ah, oh, very nice. Cold preparation. Ah, oh, there we go. Ice cream at the ready. Obviously, must be time for the podcast. <laughs> you got your priorities straight. That's a fact. <laughs> right. Right. So today we have a special guest once more. It's uh, it's been a, a good run for special guests. This time it's uh, Mike Percy from Cloudera, who's come to talk to us about Kudu. Yeah, I've been looking at that Kudu thing since it came out about, I don't know, a bit over a half a year ago, I think. It's yeah, uh, yeah. went very fast in the Apache series, so I've read a little bit about it, but I still don't really have a good handle around how to use it, where to use it. So uh, we kind of reached out to Glodera and asked them if uh, somebody wanted to be on the podcast, and uh, apparently somebody wanted to be. Indeed. So after the music, let's find out all about Kudu. So, as mentioned, we have a special guest here today, Mike Percy from Cloudera, PMC member on Apache Kudu. Come here to inform and uh, really just give us a, an overall picture of what Kudu is, how it fits into the, the overall Hadoop, Hadoop ecosystem, and really, you know, where people might find it useful. So, welcome, Mike. Thanks so much, Dave, and thank you, Jan. I uh, really appreciate you guys inviting me onto the show to talk about Kudu. I'm very happy to have you because I'm uh, personally very interested in Kudu, see how what it can do, and I've been reading up a bit on it, but uh, you're the expert, so uh, tell a bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, I, uh, my, as I said, my name is, or as you said, my name is Mike Percy. I um, have been working at Cloudera for about five years, mm -hmm. um, and I've been working on Kudu for almost four years of that. Uh, prior to Kudu, I was working on Flume. Um, I worked at Yahoo for a long time, and uh, back at Yahoo, we did a bunch of uh, machine learning on Hadoop, and um, basically were personalizing the Yahoo front page and a bunch of other parts of the website to show personalized articles and content uh, mm -hmm. using um, using big data. Yeah. So I've got a little bit of experience on the application side and the and the system side. Um, and uh, yeah, the, uh, I uh, I went to school. Uh, uh, at uh, Stanford um, for my master's, and before that, uh, UC Santa Cruz for my bachelor's. Um, and uh, I played the drums. So, oh, throw that's that interesting. Maybe yeah. we should uh, switch out the uh, the intro music for this episode then. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not that good. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was to say he plays the drums. I'm not gonna. No well. plans to quit my day job. <laughs> uh, okay. Excellent. All right. Great. So. Um, how did you? How did you sort of? Uh, before we get into Kudu, how did you sort of get into into big data? I mean, you mentioned you've been been at Yahoo previously. You know what what led you there? So when I was at 
uh, when I originally started at Yahoo, I was actually doing web development, but I was at Yahoo for a very long time. Uh, I was actually also pursuing my undergraduate degree um, while I was working mm-hmm. at Yahoo at the time. So, um, so I started doing a lot of web development, and I started getting more interested in um, um, machine learning as I had taken um, a couple of machine learning classes at UC Santa Cruz. So I joined a, a group at Yahoo called uh, Coke, which was a content optimization and knowledge engine. Um, which, um, incidentally, most of the guys on that team are now sort of make up the core engineering team at Cask. So um, I know all those guys. Interesting. And, and uh, we did some awesome stuff. Like it was a it was an awesome team, a great group of people to work with, and I learned a lot. And uh, so, uh, and I really, you know, we we ran all our own Hadoop clusters. So we were doing the application and the DevOps. Um, and um, and really got to work with a broad range of people at Yahoo. So that's what got me interested originally um, in big data. Is you know really the the, the possibilities uh, uh, that are available once you start to be able to do scale out processing um, for um, machine learning as well as all kinds of other stuff that you can that you can do with uh, big data and uh, and um, scale out analytics. Nice, nice, excellent. So fast forward to today, um, and you're a PMC member on Apache Kudu. Um, That's right. I guess first question, like where did where did Kudu, where did the name come from? So I, I think part of it was kind of a play on um, Impala uh, because uh, so basically a Kudu is an antelope, um, and um, the Actually, they're a really awesome animal. I, I got the opportunity to visit South Africa um, about a year ago because my wife um, did a program there. And so uh, I was able to um, convince my boss to to let me tag along with that for about six <laughs> weeks and uh, work work remotely from there. Um, and so on the, over the weekends, we also took some time off uh, at the beginning and the end. Uh, we got to go see a bunch of wildlife. And man, a kudu is... An incredibly majestic beast. Um, it's a it's a large antelope. It's a the a, a male is uh, is probably stands about uh, six feet tall or so, maybe maybe a little uh, taller than that actually. And yeah. uh, they have these amazing spiraling horns. Um, and uh, so uh, they say that uh, you know the the smaller the smaller antelopes are, are kind of uh, the snack. Uh, for everybody in the bush, um, but a kudu is like a full blown meal. So they're you know they're uh, they're an antelope, they're a prey animal, but um, they're pretty hard to bring down. So um, anyway, the, but the reason so there were a couple of reasons why kudu um, uh, aside from like the animal thing, um, they have these vertical stripes. If you if you look at a photo of a kudu, they um, their stripes basically help disorient. Uh, predators when uh, they're in a herd and uh, so they have these vertical stripes uh, pretty much from the middle of them through their hind quarters and so we thought it was fitting because uh, kudu is a columnar storage engine uh, essentially a, a columnar database yeah, yeah. so uh, it seemed to fit nice and that's even reflected in the logo which is pretty cool right yeah those vertical stripes exactly <laughs> excellent Oh, nice. I always like to ask that question because most most of the time the the response actually gives you some insight into into the background and, and where it all started. 
but I guess I guess that's got to be the next the next question really. So so why why Kudu? You know why why invite it, sorry why invent another technology? What was the the gap that you were looking to to, to fill with Kudu? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and um, so part of the issue with the state of things before Kudu is that you really had to choose between um, something that was very efficient to read from, but was not mutable, um, and something that was not efficient to read from, but could be updated and deleted. Um, and, and of course, I'm talking about um, HDFS for the mm-hmm. former and, uh, and HBase for the latter. Um, and within the context of the open source Hadoop ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people have these, these or- architectures that they're building that are uh, pretty complicated. Um, and there's something, for example, called the Lambda architecture um, that mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have, have heard of. And, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of people implement this. Um, and, you know, there, there are reasons to implement a Lambda architecture, uh, Particularly, uh, you know, there are some there are some good use cases uh, in machine learning and uh, in uh, different kinds of uh, risk, um, like model building and stuff like that, where you really want up to the up to the moment um, updates, and you really want to push that into your model in a streaming fashion, uh, and then sort of go back and correct it in a batch fashion. Um, and so that is a valid architecture, but what happened with the Lambda architecture is that people took this model that of, of uh, b- basically having streaming plus batch, and they generalized it to every problem that, uh, that, you know, that basically involves real-time inserts and real-time uh, querying because we didn't have anything better. And yep. um, so if, if you are... If if a use case if your use case is like most people's use cases, then uh, lambda architecture is way uh, too complicated for you know it's just unnecessary. It's sort of like uh, you know going to uh, like across the pond across the Atlantic in a rocket ship or something. It's just uh, it's just overkill um, because really what it's compensating for in most cases is the lack of a data storage system that can be streamed to and read from simultaneously without having a delay uh, in what you're reading. You know, so you can read your writes. So with Kudu, you can do that. You can read your writes. And, um, and, and you get a really efficient uh, read as well. So Kudu is a columnar storage engine, uh, which means that uh, like something like Parquet or, or C-File, it is very efficient to uh, scan large amounts of the data uh, in a in a job, which is really what uh, a lot of analytical applications uh, like um, uh, like risk uh, management or um, like insurance use cases, a lot of credit card use cases, uh, a lot of uh, um, uh, IoT, lots of. Lots of different use cases um, need these large scans. Um, you know, machine learning, um, time series. In, in all these cases, you want to read the latest information with a large amount of processing, where you read uh, in big chunks. And so, uh, Kudu will do exactly 
uh, what you want it to do, essentially, in that case. That's really what it was built for. Okay, so so Kudu provides this sort of this fast storage layer, this fast kind of um, interaction layer for the data. How how do you how do you interact with the the rest of the Hadoop ecosystem? What what's what are the interface pieces to the the wider big data ecosystem? Kudu is um, currently integrated with several pieces of the Hadoop ecosystem. Um, so Impala, Spark, MapReduce, Flume, and Drill uh, are mm-hmm. currently the, the open source uh, components that have some integration with Kudu. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you want to write a MapReduce job, uh, you, know, you have some MapReduce job that's currently running, doing a lot of batch processing, and writing um, the data somewhere, uh, then you can modify that to... Um, to write to Kudu uh, instead. Um, if you have a Spark job that uh, is processing, you know, dealing with your data processing, then um, you can either use a regular Spark or Spark SQL mm-hmm. to uh, insert, update, and delete on Kudu in real time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Impala as well uh, integrates very tightly with Kudu um, and uh, has a lot of the optimizations um, supported. Uh, that Kudu provides and uh, makes Impala feel less like, uh, well, Impala and Hive uh, used to feel like, uh, and uh, makes it feel a little bit more like MySQL or something. It makes it feel a lot more like a traditional relational database, except it's still scale out. Okay. So, question on the integration because there's two ways of integrating new com- new components. You either you can have a HDFS uh, front end socket that uh, traditional applications can talk through, or you can have a kind of a plugin that the uh, Spark Hive whatever need to implement to be able to talk to it. So, if I understand correctly, you don't have an HDFS entry way to Kudu. You have to have the project built to support kudu um yes so uh in some sense you do need to if well there are a couple different um aspects to this so one aspect is if your application is primarily uh sql so if you're doing sql analytics you're Mm -hmm. doing uh, business intelligence you have uh, some you know some business intelligence suite like Tableau or uh, perhaps uh, Clarity or something like that, then um, you can switch the back end uh, by using uh, uh, basically a, a table rename in, uh, in SQL. Uh, you, could, you could sort of uh, do a table rename or a table copy from a, an HDFS-backed table to a Kudu-backed mm-hmm. table, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that application wouldn't have to change. Um, but if you yeah. are writing your data directly to HDFS, you're managing your own partitions, then um, you would require code changes to say, well, now we're going to write our data into Kudu because we're using the HDFS APIs, and so we need to now use the Kudu APIs. Okay. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is that uh, WebHDFS is being used for a lot of uh, yeah third-party at the edge of the Hadoop cluster uh, applications to interact with HDFS. So right. that that would that that's not a, a solution for Kudu. You really need to have Kudu knowledge. Yes. So, and it's because 
you know, there wasn't a good way to really do it. Yeah, um, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> because essentially what Kudu provides for you is a table, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. so you, you do things thing, like right? create table, you specify the schema yeah, um, yeah. up front. You can alter it, right? You can alter your schema. You don't have mm-hmm. to take Kudu offline to do that. Uh, you can you can add a column or um, and stuff like that um, without any downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it, it's more like a database. It's more like a table. Whereas um, with WebHDFS, you know, you're creating files, you're moving files, yeah, yeah. and uh, Kudu just doesn't expose that level um, of uh, you know it, it's abstracted higher than that. Yeah. So does that cause any issues then? Because uh, one of the advantages of HDFS is I can put anything in there I want to. If it's if it's a movie file, an image file, a SQL, a CSV, whatever. Now, could you could you, if it always is a table store of some kind? Uh, does do I then understand that if I want to store lots of video uh, data, for example, that could is not a good match for that? Or am I seeing that wrong? Yes. Okay. No, you're completely correct. So. Um, you know, so when I was talking about, um, you know, what, what Kudu allows you to do, uh, a bit earlier when you were asking about, uh, about that, um, what I didn't, uh, what you guys were asking, uh, what I didn't, um, mention, uh, what I failed to mention is that Kudu isn't intended to replace HDFS. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that was a question I had in mind. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you try to store, like a one gigabyte MP4 in Kudu, it, it certainly will not work, and and by default it will reject that write uh, because it'll be larger than what it uh, well than what we've sort of configured it to allow, unless uh-huh. you you know turn off the safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and if you did manage to write uh, a large file and tune everything up, then it would melt down basically because uh, in its compaction process. So um, so right now uh, we don't have support for things um well like stuff that hbase has been adding recently they added uh, uh lobs like large objects and now mm-hmm. they've recently been working on uh medium-sized objects that they're supporting mm-hmm. um so kudu doesn't doesn't support those things and you know um it's you know if you ask the hbase guys you know how much work it was to do that um it's quite a bit um because mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. have to have a separate storage area for these large objects yeah. Uh, you can't handle them the same way as small cells. Yeah, there's, there are exceptions, really. Yeah. yeah. So if I was a stranger to this whole Kudu thing, uh, would I look? At, I'm not going to look at it as an ACFS replacement. Then fine. So should I look at it more as a NoSQL kind of solution then? Because you're talking tables, you're talking schema, but not very very explicit, explicitly defined schema or. Actually, it's it's very explicit. So okay. think of it, think of it like. So the way I like to describe mm-hmm. what Kudu feels like today um, is, um, and I don't know, I'm dating myself a little bit, uh, but back in the day, in the early 2000s, um, MySQL was super super popular. Well, it still is, um, but uh, back then, the MySQL storage engine NoDB uh, mm-hmm. didn't exist or wasn't considered stable. Yeah. Uh, so back then, uh, we had a storage engine called MyISAM. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what MyISAM provided was really fast storage on a single node, of course, for MySQL. Um, 
but no transactions, yeah. no secondary indexes. Yeah, yeah. But it was but it was regular MySQL. It just was missing some of these um, transactional features. Mm-hmm. So that is what using Kudu today is like. It's basically just like that. Um, it feels uh, if you. Assuming that you're putting SQL in front of it. So if you're using Spark SQL or if you're using Impala, um, unfortunately, uh, Kudu uh, isn't integrated with Hive yet. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we, we hope to do that soon. Um, it's just a matter of um, doing it right. You know, we don't want to do a bad job. Uh, um, if I may interrupt you there, uh, you yeah. mentioned earlier that uh, ORC file can be stored in Kudu. Since Hive is using ORC file and Kudu can support ORC file, I don't see the problem. Uh, I'm stupid. Actually, I'm stupid. No, I. So, <laughs> what I what I meant to say, and if I if I said that, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Um, what I was trying to draw was really an analogy. Oh, so, okay. Okay. So, underlying Kudu is a is actually an on disk storage store. format. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, and so it's it's that that format is very similar to Parquet or ORC file since they're you know they're very yeah, 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 yeah. Um, similar file formats. Gotcha. And um, so Kudu is is storing in a columnar format on disk, um, but yeah. it hides that from you. You know, so you get the performance characteristics of columnar, yeah. but you don't have to think about columnar. All all you have to think about is um, how am I how am I keying my data? You know, how mm-hmm. am I uh, how am I defining uh, the rules for how I want my partitions to be created mm-hmm. automatically by Kudu? Um, and uh, and um, but other than that, it's you're just using this database, right? It just feels okay. like a it feels like a relational database, but it's uh, but it's a scale out database. Yeah. Um, is it one of the things that that you mentioned that is uh, around this this columnar store, um, yeah. which you know we, I think we're we're sort of we're we're cycling around some of the same areas, but just want to make sure it's really clear is. Uh, you know, one of the things with, for example, uh, you know, a lot of the NoSQL stores is, you know, great, great for that sort of columnar storage, but you know, no good if you want to join. Is that the the same sort of thing with um, with these columnar stores in in Kudu? Is it are you are you aiming for like a you know wide table basically, or can you do joins and that sort of thing as well? You can do joins, uh, and the. Currently, as long as you compute your stats, then um, Impala and Spark are pretty good at joins, mm-hmm. but um, you will pay for the joins. Um, yeah. So if you if you avoid joins completely uh, by creating some kind of materialized views, you will definitely notice the speed improvement. Um, yeah. And so those are some long-term... Uh, but those are some long-term um, performance improvements that we'd like to do over time. Uh, add, add additional join strategies, um, more clever and automatic uh, statistics computation, and stuff like that. Um, that would uh, that eventually be added. But today, yes, you can do uh, a, a, f- a pretty efficient join. Uh, and Impala is smart enough to know that if you have a really small table and you have stats computed. And you're joining it with a really large table, then it then it if it's small enough, it'll know it can broadcast that small table mm-hmm. and make the join much faster yeah. and things like that. Got it. Got it. Excellent. Uh, do you do but, any uh, kind of? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention that you know I, I kept talking about you know scalability, right? Because Kudu's designed to scale out, scale mm-hmm. out. Um, and so, um, just in terms of scalability, 
I, I'd say that uh, I just wanted to elaborate a little bit that, you know, sure. we've so Comcast uh, had a talk at uh, Strata San Jose uh, this last, I think it was March. And uh, so they posted their slides and um, they so they're they're running something on the order of about 400 Kudu nodes today um, in production. And um, so that's that's about the limit of where we're seeing people scale Kudu right now. Uh, for most people um, that um, aren't experts at using Kudu yet, uh, we'd recommend uh, something closer to about 100 nodes right now. Um, and we're working on basically, um, you know, raising that number, uh, the number that we're comfortable with um, over time. But certainly from an architectural perspective, it's designed to scale to thousands of nodes. Yeah, it's just you need to have tested to make sure that you can guarantee people that it works. Exactly. Yeah. As you as you reach the limits of uh, your, you know, as you reach the the bounds of your scalability, you find some bottleneck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Fix that bottleneck and sort of iterate on that process. Yeah. Uh, find find the next one. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when you say Kudu nodes, uh, you're talking chassis, right? Server chassis. Um, if I'm develop, if I'm creating a Hadoop cluster and I know I'm going to do Hive, I'm going to look at a lot of disk space. If I know I'm going to do Spark, yep. I'm going to look at a lot of memory. If I'm doing HBase, a lot of memory as well. If I'm looking at a Kudu node, what should I look for? What I tell most people about uh, capacity planning and, and sort of uh, you know what you want to allocate to Kudu, Kudu, I would say you usually want to. So Kudu is very memory hungry and CPU hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly since usually you uh, are going to have, uh, say you're running Impala and Kudu or Spark and Kudu, um, then you're going to have that daemon that's querying uh, also on that node. So you're, you're going to have an Impala D and a Kudu tablet server process okay. on the same uh, server uh, and maybe also a, um, an HDFS data node uh, process on that same server. Uh, maybe you want to share, maybe you want to share your storage space with HDFS. Um, and so, um, so what that in 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 if you do that, then you you can actually get uh, pretty efficient joins between Kudu and HDFS as well. Uh, so that that works. How do you um, mean? How do you mean uh, joins between the two? So you can do something like create external table, oh, okay. um, parquet, and based on parquet, and then do some create external table based on Kudu, and then you just do select star or select. Something from this table, something else from this table. Just run your SQL join, and mm-hmm. uh, and you, and because uh, you know Hive and, and Impala are smart enough to to see that you know yes these are files, but you know I'm going to pretend they're a table. Um, mm-hmm. with, with with Kudu, it's doing a little bit less pretending. It really is a table, yeah, yeah. Um, but it can join them. Okay. Now, do I hear correctly that you uh, recommend having a chassis with both a bit of uh, ACFS and a bit of Kudu on it, or should you separate the two on different hardware uh, layers? Most people that are deploying Kudu today Uh do share them. So you Um, have uh, 10 disks, so you give 5 to ACFS and 5 to Kudu, depending on how how much stable store, how much uh, flat storage you need. Yeah, that's the the, uh, conservative approach, Uh and... um, for uh, and I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, you don't have to do that. You can actually let them share disks, um, and okay. uh, and uh, if a disk runs out of disk space uh, or gets close to a limit, so right now Kudu will say if if one of its data disks hits one percent, just out of the box, it's one mm-hmm. percent. 
uh, 1% um, remaining capacity, it'll stop writing to that disk. Um, it'll oh, okay. it'll use the other disks it'll after that. Keep an eye out yourself. Okay, and there's so no need to go ahead. Really, oh, sorry, we don't have really tunable quotas yet. Yeah. Uh, so, and HDFS doesn't either, actually. True. So, if you really want to keep a a very uh, strict quota for certain space is allocated to HDFS, certain space is allocated to Kudu, then um, then uh, in that case, then you may want to separate the disks if you really have yeah. to have that level of control. Yeah, because there's no need to have multiple spindles. I mean, more spindles are always better, but it's not like you're going right. to stripe across multiple disks. I'm assuming that Kudu, just like HDFS, will make sure it puts the files wherever it needs it, right? You don't. Kudu you- will stripe. Yeah, it, will strip. it'll do it itself. It, you're not dependent on any kind of RAID 5 hardware or whatever. In no, there. Okay. that's correct. It's application level striping. Um, just just one uh, one other piece on the, stuff, sort of the, the hardware side of things. Uh, are yeah. you talking mainly sort of rotational storage or are you talking SSD or a mixture depending on hot or, hot or, or warm tier or how does that look? Yeah, so... Um, that's a good question, Dave. It, it all works, um, but uh, I think a popular alternative to um, all one versus all the other is you can do something like you can have, say, uh, a bunch of rotational dis- ro- rotate- rotating disks um, dedicated to the data and then Kudu has a write-ahead log, just like any other database. Uh, it has a mm-hmm. write-ahead log. Yeah. And uh, so if you put that write-ahead log on an SSD, then you will see write yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, improvements. You'll see write latency improvements. You'll see write throughput improvements um, over putting the write-ahead log on a rotational disk. Yeah. Um, so if you think about um, you know, how, to, how to capacity plan for Kudu, uh, think about it just like your capacity planning for... Um, MySQL or for Oracle, uh, except uh, or Vertica, except you know that um, uh, it's it's actually closer to Vertica or something like that. So if you give it faster disks, if you give it faster CPUs or more CPUs, if you give it faster memory, uh, sorry, or more memory, then um, everything will run faster. Um, whether the ROI is there for you yeah, for yeah, your yeah, use yeah. case. You know, it, it. I guess it just depends on the use case. Yeah, sometimes fast enough is fast enough, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, there's a certain element of of scale out that that also gives you uh, not necessarily improves latency, but gives you gives you the speed of scale out as well. Exactly. Oh. You get your parallel reads and your parallel writes. Um, exactly. You know, it helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. Now, okay. HDFS has uh, a kind of a multi-tiering concept embedded in itself. It can have uh, some of your uh, replicates on uh, slow and hard, fast disks. Does Kudu have any kind of internal tiering to use spindles and SSDs? Is that something that's on the roadmap? or uh, That's something we'd like to do is have some kind of hierarchical storage. Yeah. Um, today, usually people... Um, um, for their data disks, regardless of whether they're putting their wall on an SSD or uh, or uh, mm-hmm. or spindles, um, the uh, the data disks uh, we currently recommend using uh, the same speed data disks because Kudu doesn't u- doesn't currently take advantage okay, of okay. oh this disk is faster and so I'm gonna do something smart with that. Mm-hmm. So it, on the data disks, so for the for the for the place where we you know so Kudu 
writes to its write ahead log mm -hmm. and then commits things to memory and then periodically flushes all of this data yeah, yeah. to uh, what we call these blocks or uh, on the data disks. And um, so, so there's not much of a benefit to having a heterogeneity okay. there. Uh, it's better to have them all the same, um, yeah. regardless of which you choose. So it's all on the back end delayed uh, action anyway. So yes, exactly. Um, do you suggest people put their Impala demons and Kudu demons or Spark demons and Kudu demons on the same chassis, or is it better to split them uh, from each other? What I actually want to know is, is date locality important? Because you have a lot of Hadoop clusters these days that have their storage on a SAN somewhere, HCFS storage. Is that also yeah. something you do with Kudu? Or do you say for Kudu, no, it's better to have the paradigm of having the single chassis with a bit of disk, a bit of memory, a bit of CPU? Yeah, that's an interesting debate, right? A lot of people, uh, <laughs> there's a big debate today, whether does does data locality matter? And uh, I remember seeing a uh, a survey recently, but it was not like an academic survey. It was some, tw it was like a Twitter survey, uh -huh. you know, and somebody <laughs> asked, so data locality, does it like, is it super critical? Doesn't really matter or doesn't matter at all. And nobody was in the middle, you know, there were okay. it was basically split right down. It either really, really matters or it has no bearing whatsoever uh, on your architecture. Um, so uh, I think that uh, that's, you know, that's indicative of, you know, all these trade-offs that, that you yeah. have to make here. Um, and so we do support data locality. Um, Kudu does. So, um, for example, if you have um, uh, Impala joining uh, uh, two Kudu tables or a Kudu table and an HDFS table, um, then uh, it will try to go local first. And when it goes local, it will try to use the oh, loopback okay. interface. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if it's able to uh, use the loopback interface when doing joins, uh, then uh, it'll you'll get great um, throughput on that join. So it if it tries to go local and it, and it does local as well as it can, um, when it's not possible to go local, then um, you know then it does remote reads just fine as well. Yeah, and the reason I'm asking is uh, I spend my professional life in the clouds, so data locality is always not, not present there. It's always have you have right. a computer on one end and store it somewhere else. So, but so it's right. no it's not technical necessity. It's it works, but if you have data locality, it will use it. That's correct. Yeah, great. So. I mean, the, so we've got this, uh, this storage engine now. Um, who are the primary sort of people that are using this? Is it, is it uh, you know, primarily developers tying it in with sort of a, a closely coupled you know, back-end that they're building and so that they build a set of APIs around it? Is it, um, is it used by you know, general-purpose BI? Can, can you, you hook up sort of anything like you know, Tableau or Click or... Uh, anything like that to it? Where where does that sort of fit in the in the ecosystem? It's uh, you know that's it's used by multiple of those people really, um, and it depends on what they're trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. So if you want to, so I guess what I my the answer to your question is that's um, it's both. Uh, so it's it's not just BI users uh, and it's not just um, architects and developers. Um, yep. So. What you can do is uh, you can back uh, an Impala, back Impala with Kudu, and, and it works great with Tableau. Uh, the users can go in, they can modify the data, 
um, and stuff like that, like they would be used to with other um, uh, backends to these BI tools. Um, yep. And um, but at the same time, uh, for so currently for ingest particularly, um, it's um, a little bit um, there's there's a little bit more there that needs to be done. So you if you put something in like say stream sets or cask um, or uh, Apache Flume, um, these systems can feed the data into H uh, sorry into Kudu um, in an efficient manner because they mm -hmm. use the Kudu APIs to do it. Um, we're currently working on um, improving the bulk load capabilities of Kudu. Uh, so today it's mostly stream oriented. So you know we want people people to be able to stream data in quickly. But uh, if you do uh, say insert one row through Impala or something like that, there's a certain amount of planner overhead that isn't optimized for yet. So uh, inserting one row through SQL is actually fairly slow. It, it might take a couple hundred milliseconds or a few hundred milliseconds, which is purely planner overhead. If yep. you if you go straight to Kudu uh, for your data loading and uh, basically go in an optimized data loading path instead of going through the SQL layer, then um, then it's way it's way faster. And, and it basically at that point, it's dependent on how fast your uh, your write ahead log is. Got it. Got it. So essentially, uh, you know, for a, for a BI user, um, something like Impala essentially becomes their their gateway to it because Impala contains the the connectivity they need to their existing, you know, visualization tools that they know and love. Um, but they they can have that backed by by Kudu at the far side of that. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and for so for BI users, uh, they don't really even have to know very much about whether this is Kudu or not. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as opposed to it being, I don't know, MS SQL or something else, um, except that, you know, this could be a much bigger table than an MS SQL table. Um, yep. and, um, uh, and they'll, and they'll get basically the, the benefits of, uh, of a columnar storage layout for the, you know, for the query performance. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I think, you know, BI users, uh, are, uh, are pretty happy with uh, with how with with using Kudu because they, they they actually don't really have to know very much about whether it's Kudu or not. Um, <laughs> the uh, developers, um, if 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 you want to use Kudu in your application, you can also uh, you know just use SQL and, and you know it abstracts it all away for you. Um, the the beauty of the integrations with Kudu is that uh, you can integrate Kudu into your Spark program. Um, yep. So you're writing some Spark uh, analytics. Uh, you're streaming some data in. You're doing a bunch of aggregations or, or doing some kind of streaming Spark thing, and then you want to persist. Um, maybe it's a machine learning model, or maybe it's uh, some other kind of a model that you're building in Spark. Uh, you want to you want to store it somewhere. You want to store those values somewhere. You can store it back in a Kudu, um, and uh, you can do that via different. Uh, basically via the standard Spark APIs, um, and it just works. Um, or you want to uh, put a dashboard that allows, um, say, your uh, administrators or your ops staff to see the latest stuff that's happening, you know, the, the latest clicks that are coming in from your metrics collection or uh, the latest uh, machine 
states of uh, you know things that are coming in being collected. So if you have yep. that data being collected, streaming into Kudu, then you can just throw um, like a JDBC. Uh, you can, you can throw a little dashboard together, um, ru- run some SQL queries uh, against Impala, and just you know put that on a web page, and uh, and you know you can you can use SQL uh, pretty like the like the good old days uh, <laughs> to just put a dashboard in front of something that's actually big data in real time. Yeah. Uh, I got some question about the, the, the Spark uh, environment because that's what I'm more familiar with. You mentioned using the standard API. Now, uh, I'm struggling here. Am I going to be using the, I don't know, SQL context in Spark to use Impala to get stuff out of Kudu? Or do I have a Kudu context in Spark? Or do I call REST API directly? How do I, how do I work with it? So you can use the RDDs. Uh, we've got um, we've got the connectors uh, for uh, Spark um, and uh, and uh, Spark SQL. So you can essentially um, you just have to specify a couple extra lines of code. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically create a you create a Kudu context. Uh, okay. And then you can create a table after yeah, yeah. creating that Kudu context. So very similar um, to the SQL context, but using the Kudu API then. Yeah. And then you can, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, I think, I, I hope that they, um, sort of make this a little bit more streamlined in the future, but, um, but it's really not bad. Um, it's really pretty easy. You create a Kudu context and then what you can do is you can do something like, uh, Kudu context dot delete rows. And then in parentheses, you can say something like SQL context, uh, and then, put a SQL query in there mm-hmm. and uh, that will, and so you could do a select in your SQL and then you could pass yeah, that yeah, to yeah. delete rows and uh, you can sort of select the rows that you want to delete or something mm-hmm. like that. So there's a, so the, the API is pretty straightforward for both um, using it yeah. with RDDs as well as using it with Spark SQL. Yeah. And if I, if I then do a SQL statement, will that be pushed down to the Kudu engine and Kudu will optimize uh, and, uh, pattern, uh, pattern map, whatever, do his thing? Or will Spark? Exactly. Yeah, okay. So it's a complete push down of the SQL stuff. Uh, you also yeah, just... so for everything, well, yeah. I mean, there are certain operators that Kudu will not optimize. And so um, Spark... Uh, and Kudu, there's an API that you use to specify what can be pushed down and what can't. Oh, okay. So uh, oh, nice. Spark will push down everything that it can, and then um, it'll, and then everything that can't be pushed down, you know, Spark will do itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also very flexible, of course. Uh, you mentioned RDDs uh, earlier. Uh, is there also implementations with uh, data frames, or do you have to start you uh, keep using the RDDs? Uh, no, sorry, I I, uh, I should have mentioned data frames as okay. well. So. So it there seems is like a, a better match. Data frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And so, yeah, there's a Spark. There's Spark data frame and data source yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, integration. Um, okay, great. And uh, so it's it's uh, it's very easy to use. You know, you could say you create a data frame um, uh, by uh, basically just importing um, a Kudu helper class, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then you basically pass it the the table you want to read from and the master address the kudu master address because mm-hmm. kudu has a master process and a tablet server process um and uh and then um you can start using the data frame api you know like data frame dot select 
id.filter and stuff like that. Or you can use Spark SQL in the same way from the same data frame. Uh, when you talk about the master process, uh, I know that uh, HBase, for example, has high available uh, region servers and master servers these days. Uh, is yes. that also valid in Kudu? Yes. Uh, so Kudu does have uh, what we call multi-master support. Okay. So um, the uh, the summary of, of, of how that works is that by default, we recommend you running uh, your masters with three or, or even five replicas and um, it uses the same fault tolerance and replication mechanism uh, that uh, the tablet servers use. Mm -hmm. um, it's an implementation of a protocol out of Stanford called Raft. It's Raft mm -hmm. Consensus. Okay. Um, and uh, so we have our own implementation of Raft Consensus and okay. that's something that I've spent uh, a lot of time working on myself. I haven't really looked at Raft. That's others. something like uh, a quorum uh, system, but different. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can think of it. It's you know it's very similar uh, in spirit and uh, a lot shares a lot of uh, concepts and, and ideas with Zookeeper's replication. Uh -huh. So um, okay. it's a different it's a different protocol. It has its own um, sort of different quirks and, and different uh, yeah, specification. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you can think of it very much like, like you know, you have to have a majority of your replicas um, up to write to them, and yeah. uh, in a in this in a similar fashion as Zookeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not using Zookeeper at all. Nope. Okay. It's okay. just a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, so organizations are getting, uh, you know, putting more and more critical data. Into into their into their data lakes into their big data platforms, and uh, certainly there's uh, there's very few environments uh, here in Europe that get implemented without um, pretty rigorous kind of security controls. What what does what does security look like um, in uh, in this so far today? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. Uh, the uh, we're you know that's actually the number one uh, priority for. Um, well, I can't speak for the Kudu project. I can only speak yeah. for um, uh, basically people uh, at, at my employer uh, at Cloudera who are who are working on Kudu. Um, and uh, yeah, that's our you know in terms of our team, that's our number one priority. Uh, and so um, right now, what we've got today shipping uh, in uh, oh, as of um, I believe as of Kudu one point three, which came out. Uh, a few months ago, um, we've got Kerberos support. So um, mm -hmm. if you you can basically add someone to a whitelist, and uh, then they will be authenticated. Um, there is SSL or well, TLS encryption on the on the wire, um, yep. and uh, you basically add someone to a list, and then they can do everything. Um, so they have to be logged in. But uh, after once they're logged in and they can uh, they can read everything they can they can write everything they get access to all the tables so um, that's currently the level of security we're shipping with today. Um, uh, okay. Okay. And okay, but, uh, but supports Kerberos, so you're you're already on the right path. Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> want to make it as uh, simple as possible and as consistent as possible with the rest of the Hadoop ecosystem. Um, yeah. 
So anybody who's running a secure HDFS cluster, uh, you know, secure Yarn or Spark, they um, they're using Kerberos today. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you you know the the security's pretty uh, wide band right now, but you're you're heading towards sort of you know full role based access control integration in the in the future. Yes. So uh, we really want to get uh, grants and ACLs. Um, mm-hmm. Supported, you know, so you can say uh, this person only has uh, the ability to read from this table, or even column-based access control. So, you know, I may have access to read the ID column and uh, and first name, last name, but you know, I can't read social security number or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or uh, nice. or or a credit card hash, or you know, whatever whatever you may be storing. Yeah. Um, so that's. So that's the kind of thing that that uh, work that's being actively worked on, and uh, a guy by the name of Dan Burkert, uh, who's uh, on the team on the on, on the Kudu PMC uh, as well, he's uh, he's the one that's leading that effort to to design and uh, implement um, grants and ACLs for Kudu, and uh, so that's a very high priority for us. And it uh, there's there's currently no no timeline, but um, but it's moving fast. Nice, nice. Um, so let's let's say that uh, you've got an existing uh, you've got an existing Hadoop environment. How how easy is it to add uh, Kudu to an existing cluster? Is is it sort of is it is it easier or better if the if you're running CDH? Can you be using Apache Hadoop? Can you can you implement it against HTTP and MapR? What's the what's what are the things to be aware of? It's not hard. Um... You can um, take so so uh, Kudu is an Apache project, and um, the uh, we do Apache releases every I don't know two or three months, mm-hmm. um, and um, so today we don't ship uh, as part of the Apache project. We don't ship binaries. We only ship sources um, because uh, we don't really have the infrastructure. Set up to uh, support all the different versions of um, uh, different operating systems and sort of ship like RPMs for everybody. Um, okay. So, um, but uh, but it's pretty straightforward to build Kudu. Uh, it takes a little bit of time, um, but uh, but it's just running a couple of commands and then you know waiting for an hour or something, <laughs> um, and then it builds. I love um, this job. <laughs> uh, so that that's where you get to uh to, to swing around on your chair and and if someone asks you what you do you just say compiling that's xkcd right. <laughs> joke for yeah. anybody that's uh not following along um nice okay so uh, actually there's one thing you mentioned there that that triggered something in my, in my mind which you mentioned about the apache releases fairly regularly um and uh, in fact just before uh, we started recording this. Uh, Jan and I were just kind of just talking over some of the things around uh, that we wanted to, to talk with you about. And uh, one of those things was, uh, you know, we, we we were looking, and uh, obviously Apache Kudu is uh, a top level top level Apache project. It went top level in uh, July 2016, but uh, it only went into incubating status sort of December 2015. So that's been a, I've, I've got to say. 
mad props to the Kudu team. That's a very, very <laughs> rapid, um, you. you know, migration from incubating to top level project. That's there's got to be a that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, well, it was. Um, we were really happy about that um, when uh, you know that we were able to 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 move it along. Um, just be and mainly because when you're in the incubator, you have to. It's extra paperwork and extra. Um, you know, sort of uh, ceremony uh, that you have to go through so that everybody <laughs> knows that you're doing things in the Apache way. Um, but um, most of the people, uh, I mean, at least about half of us um, that uh, went into the incubator with Kudu uh, as part of the uh, project, uh, the incubator, um, what do you call it? I guess we call it the, the PPMC, the project um, podling, the podling PMC, which is the the project management committee um, of uh, something that's incubating. Mm-hmm. So those those of us that went in with that, uh, about half of us had extensive Apache experience already. So um, okay. you know, and we we went we went in knowing how to run an Apache project. Um, you nice. Know, we we went in knowing that we wanted to run Kudu the right way. Uh, we wanted to run it um, as a fully open source, fully open. No, you know nothing, nothing weird. Um, kind mm-hmm. of a Apache project. Um, yeah. So, so that's what we did, you know. And within the first couple of months, uh, I, re- I re- wrote a bunch of scripts to migrate uh, the Jira, which we had been running for a long time uh, internally for the beta testing and stuff. Um, uh, as we were developing Kudu before Cloudera donated it to uh, the Apache Software Foundation, you know, I, w- so we migrated all the Jiras over and kept all the numbers and all the history and all the everything. And uh, you know, we 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 put the website. We we have uh, you know Apache Jenkins and and we have uh, open you know open source. Uh, basically, everything's open. You know, everything's in the open. All the code reviews, all the Jiras, even even the history of the Jiras that uh, go back to, geez, I don't know, probably. <laughs> 2013 or something like that. Uh, you know, there's there. Like, I think I ended up marking uh, 20 of them, basically deleting them, not migrating them because they had some kind of customer <laughs> thing or whatever. But the vast majority of those, like everything just got moved over. Um, That's great. And uh, kept public. And so, you know, we just wanted to run it as a good Apache project. So, so while Cloudera does ship uh, Kudu these days with its, main distribution, you know, and you can, you get parcels, you get RPMs, you get whatever of Kudu. Uh, every every CDH release that comes out has Kudu now, and it's fully, you know, supported. Um, you know, the we, we, we wanted everything, um, all of the code, all of the discussion um, to be uh, in the open and in the open source, because we really want um, people to participate, and we want the project to grow, and, um, and we want, um, you know, um, basically everything to be run uh, in the Apache way. So, so that's what we do. Nice. Nice. Um, we like I, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely do like to hear that. It's, uh, you know, both, both Jan and I have been in the open source world for a long time. So when, when people tell us things like that, it makes us warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you so, know, I mean, I think it's, it's good. You know, it makes me feel good to, you know, um, makes me happy to be able to work on an Apache project. You know, I feel super lucky because um, my employer pays me full time to work on an open source project. So a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, and uh, and uh, at the same time, um, it's good business. Um, I think that, you know, these days uh, sort of 
the you know, if you look at how many people are installing um, like Oracle Rack or like you know installing like IBM for the first time, um, you know, like it's it's a hard decision I think that those people are making. You know, they're basically like, well, you know, are we sure that there's nothing open source that can do this? You know, like is there some <laughs> advanced feature that you know in this proprietary system where we have to go proprietary because they know that they're locked in? Um, you know, but but you know, with the open in the open source world, you know. Um, we're uh you know we're eating around the edges right and we're 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 starting to we're starting to eat the eat their lunch and so um it, i i guess i i also feel like it's you know like doing everything in 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 open source it sort of puts you on the right side of the trends that are going on in the industry today and uh you know it really um helps with uh with growth um and with uh and with customers feeling uh you know confident that um that they're not going to um be put into a tough spot later on down the road yeah i couldn't agree more and i think it's uh, op- open source uh, isn't just eating eating proprietary's lunch i think it's eating its breakfast lunch dinner tea <laughs> mid-morning snack uh, midnight snack and everything in between so uh, yeah and yeah long, and, long and making <laughs> and making new things possible right it's i mean it's it's uh it's uh, not to not to sound too uh, marketing y or anything like that, but you know, it's really opening it's really opening up the possibilities of of what of what can be done. You know, people are doing stuff with genetic uh, sequencing mm-hmm. and uh, cancer research and all kinds of stuff today with Hadoop uh, and uh, and uh, the Hadoop ecosystem that you know that you just couldn't do before. Um, you know, people would before in the old days they would run on. Like HPC, you know, super expensive supercomputers to do this stuff, um, and now um, they are able to take that budget and uh, thro- get way more power out of it. Um, and you know, so it's it's good for it's good for everybody. Yeah. Also, yeah. The, the simple the barrier of the barrier of entry is so low now. Before that, it was huge, uh, big machines. It costs that much money. You need to have a big investment up front, and now you can just play small, start small, and grow yeah. as uh, your project grows and gets more attention. Scale it up, yeah, yep. and do it in the cloud, it, right? Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> this slot sponsored by. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's it. I I couldn't agree more. Um, it's the collaboration that I really like, though. But I, I don't want to get too uh, too too communist on on everybody. Um, let's no. let's uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about um, a little bit about where where Kudu's heading. Um, so we, we've already covered that uh, there's there's some some very very strong interest in in uh, adding uh, more security in the future. But what are some of the other things that uh, you can see that the community is interested in, or people you know users are interested in, or what what does that look like? I know there's 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 no real roadmaps in open source because it you know it depends on the the code that gets contributed and uh, and and accepted upstream. But where do you think things are heading? Yeah. Um... Absolutely. So I, you know, in the, I think in the near term, there's a bunch of stuff that I know, uh, my, the, the, the people on my team at Cloudera are working on. And, uh, and I know of people in the open source working on, uh, stuff or planning on working on things. So I think in the near term, you're going to see, um, um, things, uh, you know, as we mentioned, security, finer grain authorization, um, you're going to see, uh, we're working on, uh, so Adar Dembo, 
is uh, is uh, also a Kudu PMC member, and he's working on uh, essentially making our support for denser storage much better. Um, so he's doing things like consolidating thread pools, um, doing optimizations at the block layer, and um, things like that, so that we can we can store more partitions per tablet server, make those partitions cheaper. In the Kudu world, uh, a partition is a tablet. It, it's uh, it's basically the same thing. Um, and uh, so our tablet servers, you know, store all these partitions. And I think right now uh, our recommendation is to uh, not store more than so. What is it? This is uh, we're currently in mid June two thousand seventeen, and um, so uh, we we recommend uh, don't go above about one thousand uh, partitions or one thousand tablets. Um, per server uh, after replication, um, even though there are people running with more, like 2,000, 4,000. Um, but there are issues around um, thread usage and, and um, uh, essentially overloading the machine. Um, so um, we're working on making that number much higher. Um, and uh, as well as there's currently, as of, as of today, we recommend uh, not putting more than about four terabytes on one machine. Which sounds very low by uh, you know Hadoop standards, right? Uh, uh, really, very low by Hadoop standards. But you know, by um, if you look at it in the context of uh, a traditional database, it's not that low by uh, MySQL standards or by um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of a thing. So um, you know, but we're trying to get that up and, and get that so that you can put way more partitions and way much uh, and much more data. On, on a single server, so that's so that's all about denser storage, and um, that's you know that's moving pretty fast. So I think uh, if you ask me again in three months or six months, I'll tell you that those numbers are way higher. Um, <laughs> so excellent. Um, also, making automatic recovery faster and more robust—that's something that I spend most of my days uh, working on uh, these days. And uh, so, essentially, taking uh, when you have a failover. Uh, when when one of your servers fails, we take a bunch of steps to automatically bring your replication back to full strength uh, and automatically heal the cluster. Um, so we want that copying uh, and that uh, to be faster. Currently, the a failover if you lose one of your machines, um, then the failover is super super fast. Uh, as long as you just lose a, a, a minority, but then the process of bringing you back up to full strength uh, may take some time. So um, we're so we're basically just working on making that better and better, um, and that's what I've been working on a lot. Um, there's also more things uh, that we're working on. Uh, so uh, I think that support for decimal type is really important for financial institutions. Um, you know, basically a lossless sort of currency. Um, field in the in mm-hmm. the table in your table, um, and uh, better bulk load. Um, and one of uh, one of the guys, um, uh, his name's Andrew Wong. He's currently working on um, making support for disk failures more graceful. Uh, so today, if one of your disks fails, we crash the process, um, which uh, <laughs> is on purpose. We basically, you know, it's a crash. What do you call it? Crash first software or something? It's it is a thing. Google <laughs> <Fail> does <fast>. <laughs> it. <laughs> Fail, yeah. So um, 
it's uh you know there are academic papers written about how like often like the most reliable thing that you can do and the easiest thing and the safest thing to do is if you detect a fault you should just crash the process yeah yeah, um and then your failover mechanisms um take over um and uh but you know we want it to be a little bit less painful for people if they lose a disc you know Otherwise, they feel like Kudu's always, you know, if they have a lot of disk failures, especially as you scale up your deployment, you know, if you have a thousand nodes, um, then you've got a disk failing like every day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Andrew's working on making uh, disk failures more graceful and adding in. Eventually, we want to support things like hot swappable disks. So, you know, you have some failure, you just yank it out, put it, put put some, put a new one back in, and you know, everything just keeps running. Um, but yeah. that's 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 a little bit longer term than uh, than the uh, than more gracefully supporting these single node failures. Um, nice. So that's that's more kind of the near term roadmap. I think what people can expect to see progress on, um, you know, by the end of 2017. Okay, excellent. All right. So I mean, is there anything else? If you could sort of sum up. Um, Sum up Kudu in a in a in a quick uh, a quick sentence. What are the the key things you think people should take away from this? That's a good question. Um, I'd say that the 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 most important things to to take away from from Kudu uh, from what Kudu is and what it does is uh, it's a way to simplify your architectures um, to. Uh, have a really fast database that um, is a scale-out, replicated database, an open-source option um, that um, you can integrate in a variety of ways, both with analytics and with traditional BI. I think those are those are some of the most important things to you know to to keep in mind. You know, Kudu is really designed to uh, support really fast. Uh, moving data, fast changing data, uh, while also being able to query across these huge data sets. So when you think about big analytical use cases that people want uh, to support, including um, things like uh, things like time series, uh, machine data analytics, um, uh, IoT, Internet of Things kind of use cases, machine learning, um, all these cases have a lot in common. Essentially, you have a bunch of different uh, data sources. You have data constantly trickling in. You want to see the latest information right away on your dashboard and when you're building your models. And you want to be able to do big number crunching queries on the latest information. Um, that's really what Kudu um, provides. Excellent. All right. So as we as we wind <laughs> up the interview, there's uh, something we, we fairly often ask um, our guests which is uh, if you were to, to, to meet someone that had never heard of Hadoop before, how would you explain it to them? Uh, Hadoop or Kudu? Hadoop in Hadoop. general. Hadoop in general. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think um, I take a page from, you know, where sort of the industry seems to be going with its messaging, um, probably. <laughs> and uh, that is to um, say that, it allows things that uh, we couldn't that were too expensive to do before, or that we couldn't do before, um, possible in terms of number crunching, in terms of um, it, it, it extracting insight 
So um, there are a lot of things you can do, and Hadoop is a sophisticated uh, ecosystem and sophisticated toolkit, but um, but uh, it allows you to do things like forecasting that uh, that could never done be done before because um, it because it was too expensive to or took too long to basically run those reports. Um, you can do things like uh, build machine learning models to create self-driving cars. You can do things like um, have a credit um, card company detect fraud so that you, they don't have to call you to let you, you know, to ask you if you're traveling. You know, these days they don't call you. You don't have to put in a travel plan anymore. You like, I mean, it's still kind of a risk and I still call them, but, um, <laughs> you know, but like I have a credit card with Chase and I say, hey, you know, Chase, uh, uh, just so you know, I'm traveling or whatever. And they're like, you don't have to tell us. Like, we know that you travel all the time and we know your buying patterns. So, you know, if I, you know, if I went to some country that I uh, had never been before, that is, it's unlikely that I would travel there. And, uh, you know, and I bought something really weird, then they would probably reject the transaction. Um, or, uh, you know, so there are a lot of things that um, are automatically inferred these days and you know it's things like big data that are enabling that that making it possible as well as cancer research (laughs) sorry Sorry. Making the impossible I could keep going. Possible. I could keep going. <laughs> yeah. We all could. That's, but it's, that's but it's, why. But it's true, right? Isn't that? I think that's the best. I think that's the best way because I don't know when we start talking about. Well, you know, we have these memory buffers, and then we have this consensus protocol, and there's a write-ahead <laughs> log, and there's a you know when you start getting into the weeds of like how the technology is really built. You know, as a system guy, I'm, systems guy, I'm super <laughs> tempted to always do that. Yeah. You know. I don't know. You, you like you get half an hour in and you still haven't told them like why that even <laughs> Why does any of this actually matter? Why should I even care? <laughs> so, I think uh I think it makes a lot of sense to go go with the high level and talk about the applications that people are building. And then, you know, if they're interested in finding out how um, you know, and what 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 needs to come together to make these things possible, you know, um then, you know, you can start to go into the details from there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, anything else from you, Jan? Uh, nope. I'm super happy. I learned a lot. I hope our audience learned a lot too. I'm uh, really glad we had Mike on the show today. All awesome. Right. Great. Anything else from you, Mike? Um, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think those are the main things. I'd say, you know, as far as the, you know, the long term goes, uh, on Kudu, um, you know, eventually we want to go. Um, we want to build complex types. These are, but this is more than this is stuff that's more than six months out. I'd say for sure, you know. But we want to add complex types. We want to add uh, multi data multi data center replication to go planet scale. We want to add multi row transactions. Um, all that stuff um, is going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of uh, um, sort of. Where 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 to slot in like the most uh, important bang for the buck, you know? Yeah. But um, we will get there. We will have like, uh, exactly. Yeah, you so know what? Have in about six months' time, up. come back and give us an update. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do it. <laughs> I'd love to do it. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Dave and Jan. Uh, you guys were um, very welcoming, and and uh, thanks so much for um, having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been great having you. Yeah, no problem at all. But with that, that's about all the time we have today. So uh, 
thanks very much uh, to Mike for joining us uh, today to enlighten everybody about Apache Kudu. And we hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information about the podcast. Have a look at the feedback form. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and contact us by email at podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and feedback. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is John. My name is Mike. And we look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye. See you then. Bye.